0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us with this special announcement. Dear Matt Riddle and Misha Montana, we at Monty and the Fowl are writing to extend our heartfelt apologies for the unattended offense of misunderstanding that may have risen from our recent interactions. It is essential for us to address the concern raised and express our regret for any discomfort we may have caused. Our intention has always been to create an inclusive and respectful platform that fosters open dialogue. However, in the recent year, we have lost focus. But after the recent events from this past weekend, we may have deviated from the original plan of the show and want to reach out and give our deepest apologies want to make it deeply clear that we value your contributions of you both to your respective industries and your respect to your sp- perspectives on life. Our goal is to learn from the situation and ensure that moving forward we uphold the highest standards of professionalism and sensitivity. Your voices and our sanity matter and we are committed to creating an environment where individuals feel, feel to be heard and valued. Please accept our sincere apologies for any distress or inconvenience we have caused. We appreciate the opportunity to learn and grow from this experience and are dedicated to making the necessary adjustments to ensure a more positive and respectful engagement in the future. Thank you for your understanding. We look forward to the possibility of rebuilding trust and continuing to collaborate as Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Have a good night. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro-wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV, straight out of Ron Cockum in New York. At the board is our super producer, Abe. Abe, great to see you. How are you?
1: I'm doing good, man. I, I just wanted to say before we get started, you know, I, I, I got nothing but respect for you, man. All, all the, you know, the professionalism you showed this weekend, I mean, everyone saw what was going on, all the studio guests, you know, ESO, Phil, the owner of the station, I just wanted to share my thoughts and, and let you know I got nothing but respect for you with how you handled all that, you know
0: Abe, you don't know what that means to me. It was a rough weekend, and I really do thank you for those kind words but let's of course, brother let's not lose focus on this go home show before the wonderful Thanksgiving where we're welcoming a guy I tremendously respect and hold in in the utmost i don't even know how to explain it mr sean oliver sean thank you for joining the show
1: well thank you and uh i i'll concur with abe that uh i have great respect for you uh you i i won't tell anyone that you palmed my ass (laughs) extensively before we sat down it's always a good thing um and the uh, the incident in the bathroom with the goat we're not even going to touch. But outside of that, uh, mad, mad respect as the youngins say. Well, same here, man. Um, before
0: we get into you, the person, I wanted to hit some news hey, items. There you go. With you you. want to
1: get into you want to get into me.
0: Don't twist my words, pal. All right, that's all I have to say. I'll be all over LinkedIn with this. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Wow. Beautiful. <laughs> Iowa team sentenced to life in prison for killing a Spanish teacher. Goodell and Miller pleaded guilty to first-degree murder in killing Noima Graber, which occurred when they were both 16 years old. Graber was a teacher at the Fairfield High School where Miller and Goodell were students, city officials said. Graber was beaten to death with her remains concealed under a a tarp, wheelbarrow, and railroad ties, investigators said.
1: Sean, thoughts on this tasty little morsel? Listen, I don't know what kind of student this kid was, but if he didn't study, he probably didn't understand what the teacher was saying, maybe misconstrued, you turned in the paper late with, please cut off my head and bury me with railroad ties. (laughs) I don't know the language that well, so I don't know if it's close, but it might be. You have to dig into these things a little more deeply. (laughs) I miss the pharaoh. I
0: He's know you.
2: Really
0: well, to. let's talk about Jimmy, right? We were talking the show. Jimmy uh, moved to Florida, where he met the love of his, love of his life, uh, Miss Karen McDaniel, the widowed wife of the great Wahoo McDaniel.
1: Isn't there nothing better than love and wrestling, no. Sean? Well, Jimmy, let's in, let's try to get him back. Let's entice him. Hey, Jimmy, in the green room right now. Susan Bachwinkle. Bring it! (laughs) If you can't get a flight tonight, Martha Hart next week. Oh my god! Vicky Guerrero, uh, oh the week after that. Sean doesn't get him back. I don't know what will.
0: I at no point did I ever know you were a comedian, man. That now that is some
1: funny, right off the cuff stuff a little levity to break the tension without a doubt to break the tension what's going on in the goddamn studios in Ronkonkoma. <laughs> what do you th- what do you thought is what are
0: your thoughts are going on in this country here you are i don't want to call you an elder statesman but you're watching this country i know you're political um, what are your true thoughts of what's happening in this country right now
1: i have a co-host named kevin nash who, ha- who has pr- uh, a-, a wall of televisions with all news going all the time. So there is nary a day where I can speak to Kevin where something does not come up uh, regarding something in the news. Um, it's uh, it-, it almost seems each day like it can't get worse, and then it does. So uh, I think uh, George Carlin, one of his... Bits that I liked was where he celebrated entropy, the complete and absolute breakdown of everything. and he was a very big fan of it. So uh, he would have been very proud uh, to spend his time uh, on this planet uh, now. You know what was most just speaking of US politics and we talked about this, uh, we recorded our click this uh, here we are uh, last night and um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson said he was approached by both political parties to run in the current election which shows you the level of desperation in both parties and the disgust with who they have carrying the torch for the democrats and republicans before they even figured out what dwayne's opinions were on issues they came and said he's likable He's popular. We can get him elected. So desperate. It, we bypass the issues now just to find someone somewhat likable because neither party wants to run the candidate that looks like will run for each party. Well, one's in already, but that that's not a guarantee either. Uh, I get it.
0: I... <laughs> I, I did not hear that. I mean, if we're in this type of state where we're going to go to a actor, professional wrestler to run for president of the United States, I, I, I'm i just lost. I'm lost at this
1: point. Just based solely on his likability, <laughs> it's come to that, that that uh, they're not even sifting through the political sphere. I don't know how, so this is what he said. This was from his mouth. So, right. Um, I, I can't testified to the temerity of that obviously but uh you know he, he doesn't seem like a lunatic he wasn't he wasn't a, a temporary coast for you turned out to be a lunatic he seems sane right so um i guess i believe him but uh, it does speak to the desperation of both parties nowadays i think i I'd, I'd give you my vote before anybody actually well that's crazy but
0: i i would tell you no i would I'm, i am being serious about this nash seems like he actually would know what he was doing. I, I doubt he would run, but I would like to see that guy may, maybe run for a governor or, or, or a Senate seat or something like that. I mean, what are your thoughts about that?
1: I, I don't think he would want to do it. Uh, there, there is a, a degree of game playing that you have to do in the professional political world. James Carville, the... Uh, uh, I guess he was a Democratic strategist, you would call him now, but he ran Clinton's campaign uh, in 92, uh, the Raging Cajun. Uh, He said in one of his books, it was was one of the most uh, cogent things about politics that I'd read. He said he knew Obama was going to be in trouble in Washington because he was running under the banner of change and nothing changes in Washington and if you go in thinking you're gonna change something just because you're the president you're up for You're in for an uphill battle. The reason Clinton was so successful he says is Because he knew how Washington worked and he was able to talk to all parties knowing that there would be compromise and knowing how to dangle the carrot to get both sides to go along with things Clinton walked into a situation and said, I will be able to conduct this psychotic orchestra that is Washington. Whereas Obama came in and said, we're going to change everything up. And that's a tough road. I liked Obama. I think he did a good job. But I'm saying that, uh, that Carvel's comments on that always stuck with me and anybody that thinks they're going to go too outside the Washington box is definitely going to be in trouble. Look at us. Is this C-SPAN from the <laughs> middle of goddamn Long Island tonight? Dude, listen,
0: I like wrestling, but I don't like wrestling that much, right? That was the Pharaoh's rule, and I, and I know you miss him. I get it. Hopefully, he'll be back in the next couple of weeks. We're talking about it. He's, uh, you know, hopefully we get him back, and we'll see how it works, but – I really enjoy different types of subjects. Like this, Sean. Bizarre I naked agree. creature I'm... freaks out visitors at Google Street View. Was it a sexta Social media sleuths have left baffled over the eerie Google Street View image that appeared to depict a nearly naked floppy-armed creature yes. in Utah. The image showed the That's... critter... With elongated limbs seemingly sprinting across the field like an interstellar streaker near, near the bear, Bears Ears visitor center of the town of Buff. What do you think that's about, man?
1: The Interstellar Streaker is my new working name, by the way. And <laughs> if you look at that image, that is security camera footage of the Pharaoh running out of an apartment in Lakeland, Florida after chopped <laughs> in the bedroom. Opious chops While you he was are... <laughs> a dog style.
0: wow wow yeah you didn't ask for this tonight did you i did not i didn't ask for that 11 soft shirt either i mean i'm 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 proud of you that you're 11 who cares
1: if it's soft or not my shirt would say two and soft so it's all right we have well this is part of our merch line for click this the kevin nash podcast which you can all listen to wherever podcasts are available Uh, that's part of our merch line. It was brought up on the air, uh, 11 soft and the listeners didn't let it go. So we made a shirt, but we do sell a baby onesie that says too soft. Nice. Very nice. Very funny you said that. If I could fit in it, if I
0: could get my fat ass to fit in it, I'd get it, but I can't.
1: Oh, what are we going to do, Monty? I'm trying to lose weight now. I, I, listen, I got the prescription for the goddamn Wagovi, like everybody Mm. else on the planet. Right shooting themselves up with the diabetic drug for the simple fact that I cannot stop eating. This is a self-control issue, so I now need medical intervention uh, to to begin to lose weight. So this is what I will be trying.
0: I will tell you that I I take the same drug, right? Um, You do? Yeah, sure. I've been taking it for, I don't know, a couple of years now. I actually lost some weight. I hope you th- kept your
1: receipt. What the hell happened? All well,
0: right. Well, that—that's what I'm saying. It worked in the beginning, and now it's not working at all. And <laughs> I have the same problem. I have—I guess when you lose certain things in your life, food replaces it, and then it becomes an issue.
1: You know what I mean? Food for—I know I'm a food addict, and people think that's funny or whatever. And maybe it is. There's, you know, there's worse things I, I could have going on, of course. But I eat I, I, my, I associate food with happiness I do mm. and um, the other thing which is a problem is because I eat for pleasure and because it's linked to happiness, uh, when I'm full I don't stop eating mm. because it tastes good right it makes me feel good I keep going you know uh, so uh, this is the problem I'm hoping that uh, medical science will help me curtail that. I wonder, though, because uh, though these medications do make you feel more full, will I continue to eat the goddamn bone-in veal chop Parmesan? Because look at the thing on the plate. It's like a woman. It's like a half-clothed woman. Mm. I'm walking away from this plate? No. Very hard to do. Very hard to hard do. Hard to do. Hard to do. I'm on a, I'm on a spiral to hell.
0: See, the younger people don't get it though, right? Because they're at that age where they're still burning it off and they don't understand how you could get addicted to food. But it's, you're right. Food, food also is very a social interactive thing, right? You know, people cannot drink, people cannot smoke, but everybody eats, right? So everybody has a commonality
1: with food. Mm -hmm. I smoked cigarettes for 10 years in my like 20s into 30s. And I will unequivocally state that dieting, anytime I've done it, with fidelity, was harder than quitting smoking. Mm.
0: I've lost weight, tons of weight, numerous times. But it, like you said, it's it's a drug. So the minute I have that one slice of pizza or a little spaghetti, then it gets out of control, right? Because once you introduce those carbs back into your system, your body, it's like it's like a drug addiction, right? At first, it's two slices yeah. of pizza, then it's a half a pizza, and before you know it, you're eating a whole pizza.
1: So first, I get diagnosed with um, – I, 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 I get terrible pain on my left side, and I find myself in the hospital thinking – it wasn't the appendix. The appendix is on the right side, so I don't know what the hell I was. Thinking. Stones, maybe something very painful. Ends up that it's diverticulitis, and so there's got to be some diet modification that happens. Red meat because uh, it's harder to process uh, oils, and and that wasn't too hard. I could stay away from red meat except for the you know the occasion, the occasion steak on my birthday. Then now I go. And some of the blood is high. So then it's like, okay, triglycerides are 378. Oh, what does that mean, Doc? Pasta, bread, rice. I always said, just put a bullet in my head. If I have to give up bread, pasta, pizza, any of that stuff. When I'm walking around looking for a cauliflower substitute, yeah. It's over. I've made some kind of compromise in my life that um, almost makes it not worth living. I –
0: listen, I totally get it. I I totally understand. All right, I'd like to thank the band that sings a theme song for Monty and a Is
1: Harley's wife BJ Race still alive? Because maybe we could have her the fourth week to try to get Farrow up here. BJ, lovely woman. I, I met her when I worked with Harley Race. And uh, if she hasn't passed, she's uh, I, <laughs> she might be a little young for him. You're uh, killing
0: me. You're killing me right now. I own Jimmy Fowler, along with his partner, Bark Riggs, make up the band Wisteria Hall. Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as In My Dreams. This life not far behind. Here comes the rain. Go to... The Wisteria Hall YouTube page, hit the like and subscribe. Go to Spotify, Apple Music, Reverb Nation. If you didn't know it, you were watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro. You can catch us on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page, Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Twitch TV. If you're lucky enough to live in New York, catch us on Channel 115 every Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. and Saturday at 11.30 a.m. And Channel 20 on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. where you'll see our guest, Mr. Sean Oliver, in studio in a reduced version of the show. And there's an app out there I keep promoting. It's called Intuitive, I-N-2-I-T-I-V-E Network. It's like a mini Netflix. you got movies, documentaries, comedy, and you've got Monty and the Pharaoh on there. We'll be right back in this commercial break with the great, Sean Oliver and I do mean great. We'll be right back.
2: Sir?
0: Ah. Manscaped?
2: Uh Uh-huh.
0: you know, have you tried the new equipment that's been sent? I'm afraid because it says weed whacker. I'm scared. Maven Manscape,
2: what are you thinking about? Love manscaped, it. dude, love what it. What do you use it for? Necessity. What, what don't I use it for? Put it this way: the only <laughs> hair I have on my entire body is these eyebrows yeah. that oh, you see. These wow. caterpillars racing to the middle of my nose. That's it. That is it. <laughs> that's all. That's all I have, and that's all I want. That's the so big... manscaped there, is you, a must.
0: We were talking before the show. There's nothing worse than just hair yeah
2: right hair on a woman hair on a man it's just bad absolutely and it's the one thing that the older i get it starts growing more in unwanted areas absolutely i hate it i'm gonna ask you a question Uh-oh. just gonna go out there oh boy go for it
0: you're doing a deed
2: <laughs> yes
0: again i don't <laughs> want you have to admit this because we as men we try not to admit this but if you're gonna go uh, do, do a deed on a woman I know would you rather going. have her be Hairless or a little hair, racing stripe or
2: <laughs> racing stripe. full retro bush.
0: Racing well, retro stripe. Retro
2: bush is out. Yes, thank retro you. Retro bush is out. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a small, well manicured landing strip. <laughs> Every now and then, if it's completely and I'm talking like baby's ass bald, mm. then I I start. Where is that pedophilia line? that yeah. I'm that I'm I don't, I don't wow. want to wander into that that's very interesting like that. I never thought about wow. that. you're a smart dude Holy yeah. shit.
1: so if the landing strip is clean enough for the plane to go in smoothly you're cool with that
2: if the landing strip is has like I said well manicured yeah. you yeah. can see both sides it's not like blinking lights on both sides of that I just don't I don't want you know I don't want the shrubbery <laughs> going off into yeah. unwanted areas on that gotcha as well. oh yeah, look what you found Ooh. I gotta be all honest though. Gotcha. So, hey the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the older I get, though, I don't. I think I don't think I can be as. Uh, as I found as, it. I found have it. Have you ever gone down
0: there and like just like you, she slowly brings down the underwear? then... What is retro? It? Just, Absolutely. You're retro. Like,
2: wow. Yeah, like a like out? Do you like walk out or what do you do? No, I, tr- I muster through. I muster up the you courage. He's a trooper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's a trooper. Gotta give him an A. Yeah, uh, not out. all not all heroes wear capes. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Uh, there listen, you go. I couldn't. I Super couldn't say.
0: I couldn't say. Well. If you have the same beliefs as Maven does, Manscaped could help you. Absolutely. The Weed Whacker.
1: Absolutely. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that I may have to, like, you know, go in a room, close the door, and hang out with the Weed Whacker for a little while. Yeah, I
0: think you're a retro guy, aren't you? I like 70s adult films, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, we'll with that, we're going to take a quick Batman. commercial break, and we anyway. back with this wrestling icon, Maven. We
2: will see you in a dropkick second. Uh. A dropkick second.
0: All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty Nefaro, Where we have our special guest. We could call him the pod Father and so many other things, Mister Sean Oliver. Sean, thanks again for joining us. Do you miss the yeah, Faro?
1: Intriguing discussion there with with Maven, and and always one uh, that uh, that the fellas, you know, if some guys are together at the at the pub. Maybe having a pint at the table. You can always talk about uh, that topic there. Um, guys that uh, are you troubled by the ficus tree? <laughs> if that pops out of the panties. Uh, right. see, the wood floor is a, was, a, I find, troubling. You know, I just think the groucho is the way to go. Um you know, the, the, the pivot bush and the, and, and the wood floor, those, those are extremes. I don't think extremes work down there. I think a little bit of a little Adolf action down there is <laughs> it, that's, that's the comfort level. That,
0: that is a comfort level. But, I mean, at our age at this
1: point, does it really matter? Oh, l- listen, I'm a shit show coming at my wife. So, like, I have nerve talking about anything, the condition of me. <laughs> So, um, you know, I need medical intervention to to stop shoving pizza in my neck. How hot is that, ladies? I, so I think about when I was younger. I was a
0: lights on guy, right? Lights on all the time. Felt good about myself. I can't. I can't turn the lights off. Fast enough in my house.
1: Oh, listen. No one needs to see the socks on the T-shirt on. <laughs> the fucking, <laughs> no. I'll throw a pillow at the freaking lamp. Dude, getting old really does suck.
0: It, it's it's rough.
1: Do you do the math, Monty? I do the math all the time. Forward and backward. Like, I go, okay, this... For example, we're near the same age, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. The song, Summer of 69 by... Uh, it's it's about 1969. Not what's going on in the... Gotcha. Yep. ...annual home in Florida. <laughs> Summer of 69 uh was written about 1969 now it came out in 1985 my listening to that song as a kid the concept of the year 1969 when he was singing about it was otherworldly it was black and white in my mind when I thought about uh Brian Adams singing about uh putting the band together on the porch and all that stuff but it was 16 years before it was written It's the equivalent of a song now coming out, summer of 2007. Mm. To a teenager now, that song is, right, when I was thin. Um, That's me doing the math, trying to figure out 16 (laughs) years. Slow down the clock, please. (laughs) 2023, exactly. God damn it, keep showing that shit. I'm hanging myself tonight. (laughs) I'll be right there with you, brother, trust me. It's so funny. I so, there was <laughs> a woman saw a picture of, uh, 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 my IMDB, like from back in the day of black and white headshots from the soap opera type days. And, uh, and, uh, very nice one. She goes, Oh my God, what happened? Oh she was God. totally sincere. And, and I, oh. I broke out into hysterics. Um, because I appreciated the honesty of, of that. And uh, you know, what, what is the answer? Age? Uh, science? I, 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 I Okay, there's one, there's one of them, sure. Right. What happened?
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know what, man? I think about this. When I was growing up and I was around, el- not elderly people, but older people, I always showed them respect. And it's like now, it's like today's youth, they don't show any kind of respect doesn't matter it's crazy
1: yeah i don't think i did when i was younger and that uh weighs on me a little more today because i'm becoming the guy
2: right. you
1: know whose ball bag was hanging out of his shorts you know that we would all laugh at and throw rocks at <laughs> oh my uh, god <laughs> throwing rocks it's, at a guy. Soon, it's soon to be me yeah yeah wow. just just something like 10 years Tack on 10 years to that number, whatever number you are right now. It's terrifying. If you were 20 years old and someone used that number, whatever 10 years from now is for you, Um, that was inconceivable that you'd ever live to be that, that age. And it's right around the corner. Yeah. And, it, you know, when... You know, Pharaoh's liable to date you. Uh, with that number that we're talking about. Man, you are killing him right now.
0: You are killing him. I remember a guy, he was a neighbor uh, when I first moved into my first house. And he was was a little older. He was older. And he he told me, he goes, you know, you're young. He goes, when you get to my age, every day is the same. Monday, Tuesday, Mm -hmm. all the way to Saturday. It doesn't matter anymore. It all molds together and time just moves at four times and i never got it but now i get it i don't even know what day it is anymore nor
1: does it matter to me mm. yeah no I, I understand i i know what day it is because i know that i have to talk to kevin so <laughs> it's like, oh, do i have a meeting today it's tuesday am i recording tonight it's wednesday so that keeps me grounded right uh, and, and knowing what day it is. But I understand what you're saying. There will come a time very soon um, where uh, where maybe that's not as important. You know, I, I talked about this on the air. I got my AARP thing in the mail last year. And, and that was kind of a, a line in the sand for me. I felt if I opened it and had showed it any curiosity that I was in some way complicit in what was coming. It's like if you sent me an email and the the topic was 11-year-old boy's cock, if I open the email, even out of curiosity, I'm complicit. So that's what the AARP letter was to me. Mm-hmm. And so it went immediately in the garbage, unopened. But then someone told me you can get very good discounts on car insurance. Yeah. Which, as you know, up here is, is a racket. So it's worth uh, it's worth uh, investigating that maybe. Maybe I'll open the next mailer. You, that you should open the next mail, but not that I use mine either. You know, I I was
0: just thinking the other day, I don't even go to places and use my veterans discount. Right, like you know, usually get like ten to fifteen percent for serving the country. I forget mm-hmm. all the time. Like I never bring it up, and I just you know, I probably lost you know a couple thousand
1: dollars throughout the years. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. But I understand. It's not always on your mind. You're standing at the checkout, you're trying to get out of there, you got something to do. Hold on, let me shuffle through all my cards here to 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 show you my sir my service
0: card. I so, get it. So Sean, so, since you're so talented and you know how to pick talent, since I don't have a co-host, I've been I put an ad out there and I've gotten some responses. I've got one video someone sent me. Tell me if you think she would be good for the show.
1: Uh, damn. I look good. Dingle, dingle, dingle. Eating you, bitches up. I'm talking about eating you, bitch. God. <laughs> you know, I, you think? I I was wondering what happened to the Mulkey brothers, <laughs> the jobbers from WCW in the '80s. <laughs> and it's good. It's good to see they're going with the the long hair. Uh, and they'd yeah. like to come be
0: co-hosts on Monty Nefero. So not too bad. On a serious note, when do you decide to do the click? I got first, I'll tell you every Monday morning it's an addiction. I listen to it every Monday morning, I watch it, depending you know I'm at work, so I'm listening. When did you say, Hey, look, I'm just going to try to do a regular podcast, and more importantly that uh, what I'm really impressed is you had a business plan to make money, right, which a lot of people don't do, right? They just do this as a vanity project what What
1: was the origins of this? Kevin and I first flirted with the idea of a podcast in 2018 I still have the the notes from when I uh, Began to kind of lay out what it would be the podcast market wasn't as crowded in 2018 so there was a little opportunity to Kind of make a mark a little more easily maybe but But Kevin's so busy all the time, movies and stuff. And every time we were going to get going, he'd be like, he's like, I'm shooting something in England for five weeks. I'm like, well, that's going to put a damper on things. So, and then, you know, then two months would go by. I'd have a text at two in the morning, podcast, you and me, tomorrow we talk. You know, and then, and it wouldn't. So there was always something in the way. Now, unbeknownst to me, Tristan, his son, his late son, uh, had been championing this at home on on his end. He was a big podcast fan, and and uh, and so he was telling Kevin about it. And uh, our work together on the kayfabe commentaries videos, people always—I mean, if you search the comments for the older you shoots and guest Booker and timelines, people always talked about a chemistry. Between us that that they wanted to see more of and when podcasts became a thing that's how they began to express it in terms of the podcast of a podcast so Kevin I think just got tired of hearing it so finally uh, last year um, it was actually it'll be two years I guess February when he called me he was like it's now or never You know, we got to do this. And I said, fine. I had, I knew that this is where it was going to go. The shoot interview is all but dead. It's uh, a lot of people do them over the, over the camera like this. And uh, there's so much lost when you're not sitting in a room with someone absorbing their energy that there is something that happens between two people when they sit a few feet apart and not to blow myself here but i guess if there's you know we all have a superpower right maybe we just haven't discovered but i guess what mine was why kayfabe commentaries got to be what it was was a rapport was an ability to sit down and engender trust pretty quickly and then go somewhere with a guest that maybe others hadn't or, or they didn't realize they were willing to go so i said well po- if podcast is the way to go it's going to be very different and i have to see what it feels like so i did a solo podcast called uh, kayfabe stories you're not supposed to hear um still out there available i don't know 40 episodes whatever like a year's worth um and i would i would talk a little bit myself share my thoughts every show had a guest from ron jeremy to, um uh, oh, God, uh, you know, all the workers that uh, that I'd worked with in the past that I'd had good rapport with, Lanny Poffo on and Brutus Beefcake. And um, so, yeah, the podcast, I just wanted to see how it worked. So then when Kevin reached out, and we were going to do this finally, um, I knew the market a little better, and I knew that, um, and if you know Kevin, um you're, the money's got to be right. So I knew whoever we went to, um, there had to be a structure in place where we were able to make what we deserved. We get now, I think, uh, I know it's over a million views a month on our YouTube channel. That goes for full shows, but also clips. You know, we chop up some stuff and
0: which, by the way, clip. I know the analytics. That's pretty solid money. That's that's good decent yeah. money, right?
1: Yeah. And then uh, the, on the audio side, on the ad side, there's, um, you know, we do about a uh, hundred and twenty thousand uh, audio listens uh, for four four weeks of uh, of new programming. We do once a week, so that's kind of where we land. Um, and those are numbers that we are comfortable with of course we always think they could be higher so that's always the the quest what do we do we didn't want to do another wrestling podcast monty that was the thing Mm -hmm. there's there's so many what what are we going to offer that's different i mean there's only so many stories about the click and about the nwo so kev's thing was always even five years ago When I said, Kev, I don't do anything unless it's different. I I don't ever want to be doing something that someone else is doing. Uh, How are we going to handle this, the wrestling? He goes, it's two guys at the bar. I said, okay. He said, when two guys are having a good time at the bar, the guy next to them wants to slide over. And the guys at that other table want to come and sit up at the bar too. So if we could be two guys at the bar like we are here when we go out to dinner or you know when we're hanging out in between shoots if we could be two guys at the bar people are going to come sit with us mm-hmm. and that was that was the only philosophy i mean the show is planned somewhat we talk about what we want to talk about but we never have you know, as as you and Farrow probably did, you can't go over what exactly you're going to talk about because you want the spontaneity. Yeah, we
0: wrote we write a script, of the the bullet points, and sometimes it goes
1: off the rails, right.
0: and sometimes you kind of stick right. to the
1: format, right? Right, because if you, I mean, if you guys have an argument, you want that to be there. Like when Kevin and I have disagreed, uh, our our engineer would be like, "You guys want me to cut that?" And we're like, "No, that that's real. Yeah. That's two guys at the fucking bar." Right. So. um so there's no real magic. I guess that's the magic, I guess. It's, well, let it's me ask you this, though. You
0: mentioned about the money, right? You mm-hmm. Look, you're the leader, right? You're the guy who did this. I understand that Kevin's, you know, half of the show, but you're the guy. Is is there pressure on you? Like, oh, man, if I don't make enough money on this each month, Kevin's going to say, well, I'm done, and all this hard work gets washed away. I mean, what kind of pressure is on you?
1: Well, you know, I serve a few masters. The, the reality is, Monty, I, uh, that's a picture of one of them right there. I got, we got to keep it going uh, for the person f- for whose name is on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, in much deservedly bigger print than mine. Um, you know, I got a daughter in college. You know, I have a life and a lifestyle, two kids, uh, a lovely wife. And you have to keep things going. So there are plenty of days that I wish I was elsewhere, Mm. like on Mars. And, um, you know, on any given day, I'll have Kevin on the phone about ratings. And then uh, Todd will be popping up here, you know, complaining about the publicity department at the publishing company. And uh, then, you know, maybe, you know, I'm working on a a very exciting project with Sean Waltman and maybe we're working through something there. So uh, there's a lot of air traffic control in my days and uh, keeping people optimistic, keeping people realistic, um, keeping people focused, no tantrums allowed Or have your tantrum and then, okay, we're ready to talk about business about the next show or the next chapter. Um, That's a big part of it. And going back to my kayfabe days, I never minded having a difficult talent as long as the show was good. As long as the fan was going to get content that was compelling, entertaining, salable, would make money. Uh, I'll shoulder a difficult talent. I'll shoulder a tantrum. Um, That's part of my job. But when the light goes on, we got to do the thing. And Mm. as long as we do the thing, I'll take the agita. But there's plenty of agita in my days, if that's the answer, if that's the question.
0: Look, I got so many more questions, but we got hit with so many fan questions. I got to post some fan questions. I need you to respond to, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to have to change my glasses here. Because I'm blind like a See, bat. there's another
1: thing, right? When when the, you asked your grandfather to do something when you're a kid, he's like, hold on, I need the other glasses. Yeah, exactly.
0: I thought I could handle it. So this looks like at ShareBear Bear from North Carolina. Sean, huge fan. Now that you've ex- uh, expanded into virtual signings to go with your RF video sales, do you think the wrestlers are more comfortable doing these virtuals
1: as opposed to in person? <laughs> So I'm not Rob Feinstein. First of all. Oops. Um like you could ask him. It's a good question. It's I guess I should
0: have me. vetted these questions before I read them for somebody else. All right. Let's go to the next one. And you know the night I won the title at the garden. <laughs> yeah. All right. At bored and horny. Ooh, you got a good one here from Pasadena, on, California. Barrow,
1: just call in.
0: <laughs> Fans of yours all the way from your beginnings, having seen you grow up selling your tapes to actually have a promotion. How hard was it for you to personally have to give up your half of ring of honor?
1: <laughs> it was funny the first time.
0: <laughs> Look, I didn't make these questions. They came over.
1: The dead horse is not getting up.
0: All right, last one. The Ultimate V from Panama City, Florida. That's where Farrow is, I think. Sean, with all the successes in the video and interviews and book writing and appearances on TV and voiceovers, what did you feel like when you had your greatest success in your movie Beyond the Mat? Thank you for the
1: question, Todd. Um, (laughs) I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, on a serious note, we do have an ECW
0: legend on the air, Sandman. He wants to join in. Is Sandman with us? All right, Sandman, thank you for joining us. You're with the great Sean Oliver. Thank you for joining us. Yo!
2: What Hank, the
1: heck? You've fuck, never sounded Sean better. Sean Oliver? Yeah! If this was Hack, he wouldn't remember me. So. Not my fucking voice in the fucking audio book, you fucking douchebag. If we uh, ever fucking meet in person, yeah, you're getting paid, dude. I know I'm safe because he won't remember me when he sees me. And uh hack, it was the it was one of the impressions I was most complimented on. I did a better Sandman than Sandman, some people said. So you may want to find a new vocal coach, but the gargling glass thing is helping. Dude, you're going down. <laughs> wow. On who? Now
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good response.
2: <laughs> Yo, you fucking dissed my
1: bull off. I'm coming for you. He's coming, can we, I'm going down, can we reveal
0: and... Can we reveal who the true Sandman is? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I thought I'd try. <laughs> Come on, Monty. <clears throat> well... I, then Is I we, I don't know what to do with this. I guess I better nice go on. a jaw That's
1: the yeah, longest todd has gone between. That's nice a fucking short to put the book over so much during this fucking interview. I think he fucking mentioned it once. It's a pretty it's, good scene. Look look at the screen. It's it's right there. Take your head out of Missy Hyatt's beaver and look at the screen. It's it's on Monty's. Desk, it's it's behind me here. Next to the Pharaoh is right. You're a fucking dick. Oh, wow. What is Who that? Who was about? right? pharaoh Oh, I thought you said Marty Gennetti. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you said <laughs> <laughs> back. <laughs> hey, he's sick. And I'm letting him off the hook. Thank you, Hack.
0: Thank you, Hack, for joining us. Go, Phillies. Go
1: Phillies. There you go. (laughs) Go Eagles. Monty, the important question is, KISS is retiring. Are you going to the final show at the Garden? I will not. I am not going to I'm guessing by age that 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 might be important to you. It, It is very
0: important to me, but not at five thousand dollars a ticket i've seen them enough times that i could just remember those you know what i mean there comes a point where things become egregious don't you think
1: yeah i mean in the second is it that high in the secondary market that's
0: what i heard i mean look i haven't really looked i just from from what i hear you know what i'm saying yeah
1: yeah i mean i've seen them also you know i have i have enough memories and um but just again it's one of those bucket list things that for a part of history should you be there should you be there? And how's that long? You, know,
2: you know,
0: Sean, with all the things you've done in your life, right? You, you, how long does that stay with you? You go, you're in the moment. You know from what I hear, like you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Here's an example. Yeah.
2: I mean-
0: Are you one of those guys that sit there at a concert and you put your iPhone on and you sit there and film? You know, you video the whole concert. I mean, what do you do with that footage? You sit and watch it in your bedroom.
1: You do nothing with no, it. No. I- I never did. I, there are a couple of times where I'll take, like, just some of... Like, I saw Springsteen this year, uh, Rite of Passage, if you live in New Jersey, right? And I, and I had thus far held out, and I did go see him, and I sat pretty close. So I just took some pictures and maybe a little bit of footage of a song. Um, but uh, I mostly do it for my memory, to to remind myself that I was actually there, yeah, right. because I can't remember... <laughs> Uh, if I took my pills most days, I have right. to actually st- stand there for a minute and say, "Did I take these yet?" The, the mind is going clearly. Is it,
0: isn't that the worst feeling? Like I have a regimen of pills too, and I'm like, "Did yeah. I take it?" And if I take a double dose, what's it's going to do to me? So I better not take it at all because I can't remember if I took it
1: originally. I mean, people think we're we're ribbon here, but it's a thing. Like oh, yeah. I remember taking the pills, but I'm like, "Was that today?" Yes. Yes, and I stand there looking at it, and I go, "Well, what would happen if there was one additional blood pressure pill, just one?" You know, I know the I know the the uh, the uh, the, the, uh, the the hair the hair growth pills. It's escaping me for the moment. I know that'll be fine. I know the Nexium. You could pop two Nexiums. That's fine. Should I just leave the blood pressure pill out today? It's a thing when you have to stand there and and go over that while you stare at the electric clock and wait for the Grim Reaper to ring the doorbell. Well, I'm I'm on blood thinners, so it's like, did I
0: take it? I can't double dose it. But then if I don't take this, will something happen to me during the day for not taking it? Mm -hmm. Believe me, I go through the same mess. It's depressing.
1: Yeah. Did you grow up on Long Island, or did you land out there after you got tired of Queens or Brooklyn?
0: No, I grew up on Long Island, and I've been trying oh, to get out of here for most of my life. You know, I went to college and then joined the military, and I, I expected to have lived somewhere else. And I found my way back here, and it's not a bad place to live. Don't get me wrong, but I would—I don't like cold weather anymore, and mm. I—I kind of just. I want to be somewhere different. And I don't know if this has happened to you, too. Me and my wife are talking about it. Ever since COVID, like, we don't really, like, love going out of the house anymore. It's like, you know, you can stay in the house. I could go out, have a few drinks, go, go to a concert. But we could sit home and watch TV or, or do mm-hmm. something else, right? I mean, that's also what's, what's happening, too, as I get older. I don't really want to go out into society anymore.
1: Well, the other thing is, what are you, you going to do? But where can you really go? You can go do the the, the the necessary stuff. You could go to the goddamn supermarket. Boy, there's a diary entry. I was at the supermarket today, right? right? Maybe you need some shoes. You could hit DSW. But, but what are you going to do for entertainment, right? So it's like what starts to happen is the opportunity for spontaneous wonderful days traipsing through the sprinklers starts to wane and there's a very few comfort things that you grab for a few favorite restaurants i'm sure you have stuff like that um but but what the hell else are you doing i'm,
0: I'm not going to a club Here here's a question for you i was thinking about this now obviously you know you live a pretty comfortable life you've you've had a successful career i live a pretty comfortable life but I was thinking about people that may not be living so comfortable, right? They may be living a little check to check and then maybe they find a little extra money and they go out to a restaurant. Today's restaurants and the service and the food is so bad. Could you imagine having like your, you know, your little extra money, you bring your wife, or your girlfriend out to eat and you get a bad meal? Because I get bad meals all the time, bad service, bad meals. And I think about that person like, wow, that experience has got to
1: be terrible too. One of my indulgences is eating out. Playing along with Sandman's uh, thing, there, uh, is, is eating out at restaurants. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also consider though, Monty, today, because of the internet, because of reviews, because of Yelp, um, people post pictures and opinions, you can do a little reconnaissance before you hit a new place. So you do have a little bit, uh, you know, back in the day, if, if it wasn't a recommendation from somebody, you were kind of going in blind, but now you can do a little bit of homework um, before you hit a restaurant. I just had an unbelievable, I found a place on Staten Island, Don Cheech it's called. And uh, uh, Italian food, as you might uh, have gleaned from the title. But, uh, and they had a i referenced before a pounded bone in veal chop, parmesan there my daughter got a truffle a truffle cream sauce with uh, uh a regatta um, ravioli um i my wife got a squid ink linguine with clams and and uh, and uh, anyway so these things are exciting to me yeah. when i find a new place and it live it exceeds expectations this is wonderful for me but um
0: you're making me excited so, talking about it
1: oh my god is, is is there nothing better than that than an uh, unbelievable meal where you a nice you can sit down for two hours no one's rushing you right and uh oh and it all just it all just <laughs> you have to appreciate the small things and this is what it is it, it, going for a meal when you were 16. you, you to, to think that that would have been exciting would would be ridiculous but but at our age this is an exciting night out this is like this is blue chew for the soul baby right up when, when you were younger like you know you
0: you're in acting you got into acting you're a book writer obviously you you did great with these wrestling shoot interviews at what point did you decide in your life, hmm. I'm not going to be a regular Joe? Because I'm always, you know, I even say that to Farrow. a was a pretty popular singer back in the day here on the island. Um, I never had the guts to take chances like that. What made you take those? You know, there's a lot of risk there, right? It's, it doesn't work out. You're, you're, you're penniless, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, but it's, it's hard to answer because I never knew anything else. I never wanted to do anything else. Um, it was always entertainment in some capacity, and I, you know, I went to school for for media arts. For my intention was to to write and direct film, back when it was shot on film. I was in college cutting film with a guillotine. There was no video editing on a computer. It was splicing film, and the beauty of of shooting film and having it come back and look exactly as you had intended in your mind because there was no monitor to look at and say, oh, we need to make it darker. You just have to know based on your light reading, if you move your stop down a half, it's going to get a little darker and you'll have more shadow here. And But you know that in your mind just from the film stock you have, the film speed you have, the light meter readings and what the room looks like, and then it comes back and it's like yeah that's what was in my head that was that was like an addictive part of it for me I loved everything about film so I wanted to direct but I started acting as as a teenager and so some stuff started to happen there so I kept doing that and I directed some TV commercials for a while and uh, always kept writing but um god i guess monty The 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 only thing the only law that i realized i lived by but i didn't learn to articulate it until i was older in my 40s was uh you don't have to be one thing Hmm. it would be torture for me to have the same answer when someone said so what do you do i tend to go what do you want to talk about nice nice. (laughs) because i've probably done it um so yeah, to be one thing and serve one industry and try to move up that singular ladder. Uh, I, you know, I was forty-five and I said, you know, I never wrote a book.
2: I'm so, a book.
1: wow, I took it seriously. Um, I I read a lot about it. I read a lot of stuff, a lot of material. Um, and when I thought I had a handle on it, I I took it seriously and did what I had to do uh, to get book, books out there. Um, same for everything. I mean, the the shoot interview thing, which I guess everyone here probably knows me from it was a phone call from my business partner anthony i was working at deutsche bank on the 45th floor of 60 wall street at night looking at over the east river and he called me he goes you know the only thing that's never been done in wrestling is like an alternate commentary track you know how you'll have like dvds and you listen to the director's commentary who talks over the movie about how everything happened yeah, yeah. having wrestlers do that for matches that you've always seen I was like, yeah, you're right. No one's done that. You want to do it? I got on the phone that night. I, I called wrestling agents or bookers to see who was available. I said to him, can we do this from a technical standpoint? Can you set up a paywall where, now remember, this is 2007, so we're not where we were now. Uh, I said, could you build like an iTunes where people can download an MP3 of the Iron Sheik talking about his match against Hogan? And then someone puts on their iPod and starts it when the match starts and it's in sync and and think of the fun we could have with all these matches that we've always seen for all these years reimagined having someone go you know I was supposed to actually gig here but I lost my blade before when I was outside the ring I mean that would be great people would be like sitting on the couch with them and watching a match and that was our first product that's why it was called kayfabe commentaries um Imagine trying to explain that concept to somebody who had no idea what I was talking about. Yes, it's downloadable alternate commentary tracks for wrestling matches. Go fuck yourself. So (laughs) eventually, after putting out a bunch of those at like $2 a pop, I said, listen, if this is a viable business... We're going to have to jump into the industry that all those other guys that they were asking me about with the goofy questions before. We're going to have to jump into the video world and bring this there. But we're not going to do it like they do it. You know, they do the whole career retrospective. Let's take an angle. Let's take a booker and have them come on and book something on camera that they had nothing to do with in wrestling. So that was the first video we did, guest booker with Kevin Sullivan. What if Kevin Sullivan was booking WWF in 84 and Hogan didn't come from mm-hmm. Minneapolis? What would you have done to make the 80s boom? Uh, we didn't think in terms of series-based programming yet until we saw the success of that. And people were like, my God, I haven't seen anything. It's like a shoot interview, but it's like about booking and it's like specific. And it's, there's graphics and, and it's lit you know because i went to film school and and it's, and they're miked and and they and you know and people actually take the time to let you hear and see what's going on so we have gotten such a reception that we then realized oh this could be a series and then shortly after that you shoot comes oh that could be a series where fans ask questions to the lightning rods in the business and we don't edit them we read the question or play the video exactly as the fan asked it and sit back and let Honky go to town. Um, and so that because so it was a series based programming in that. And it was literally, Monty, with that little amount of thought, where we were sitting on the phone when I was bored at work at 11 o'clock at night. And uh, we were like, well, let's just let's just hire some wrestlers and have them come in and get on the headset with me and we'll put the match on the TV and we'll record them going through the match and then we'll sell it. (laughs) So there, there was no great master plan. It was just what the next thing was, but it, but it was in the creative industry. It was in, it was in the creative world. So that stuff always appealed to me. It was my life.
0: I think I, I being an originator like that and having that idea is just incredible. Um, I, you know, I want to quickly mention Todd as God which is on the table both me and Farrell love this book I know this is a I know the book isn't written yet but you're doing the one on Sean Waltman and maybe I'm out of yes. line asking this question no. but no. is Sean guilt does he feel guilt over China
1: Sean is such a uh such an interesting and complex guy, and a great guy, first of all. Um, and y- you will take a journey in this book through the different stages of Sean's life, through his eyes, and then where he came out and where he is today, which is a very good place. But Sean does to answer your question, and the phrase that Sean has used that is in the book is, I can't help but, I can't say what would have happened if she didn't meet me, but I can tell you she was in a worse place after meeting me than before. Interesting.
0: Sad, sad, sad story. Um, Too many of them. Here's the question I always wanted to ask you, too. When did you fall in love with wrestling? What do you remember the moment, the second, what it was? Yeah,
1: I do. Um, for us, I I try to explain to people first of all, being in the entertainment business, people would sometimes, if they heard I owned a production company, I'm working on a film and you know, the other actors uh, say, So you have a production company, okay? Here it goes. Uh, yes, and hopefully it ended there. What, What kind? Uh, it's, prof- it's interview-based professional sports. And hopefully it ended there. And then the third hurdle was, I'd say, listen, you get it or you don't, it's pro wrestling. And then it always ended there. So, uh, so for the layperson who doesn't understand, wrestling for guys our age was what the Marvel films are now. Because the the superhero films in the seventies and eighties were goofy. It was Christopher Reeve with the you know with his brajol hanging out and the tight red thing, and you know uh, it, it it wasn't cool. The Batman series, you know, a little God love Adam West and Burt Ward, uh, uh, but you know uh, it was it was camp. There were no real life superheroes that kids. Uh, cheered, so the the wrestlers were the closest thing to today's Black Panther, Spider Man. So that's that was the appeal for us. Mm. Um, and the moment Monty was on a giant black and white television, I guess in like seventy eight, maybe I was like six. And I was over a friend's house who had older brothers and they were watching on WWOR at 5 p.m. on a Saturday. They were watching grown men built like superheroes that I would see in the comic books beating the shit out of each other. And then they did a promo by the ring and superstar Billy Graham held the microphone, looked into the camera and talked to me because I was frozen and I said there was just a sense of I've never seen anything like this Um, and and that was it superstar Billy Rim, 1978 on a big black and white TV and then I would try to catch it myself when I learned when it was on and that was it it was off to the races after that and once I then kind of it, it morphed into my knowing that there was a charade that was deliberately being hidden from me and that became very fun watching Kamala and saying I, I wonder what goes on at home when he returns and his wife is there waiting for him You know that that kind of thing going through that these guys are people they're regular people and that illusion was uh, more photos of me with my shirt off. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that that's what it was, Monty. It was the real-life superhero, larger than life, and to me, always, and I think it's because of our age, it was more important what they did on the stick than in the ring. I don't think I realized what work rate was until I read the Observer when I was 25, right? Um, but I knew that every time there was a Piper's Pit, I wasn't going to miss it. Mm-hmm. So I so valued uh, the guys that hooked me with with their mouths same here man. same here about my days uh as an altar boy hooked me with their mouths but uh, i know it was very important to me always what these guys did that charisma there's nothing like a professional wrestler i mean years later you walk into a locker room i guess they could be baseball players they could be wrestlers they could be catalog models you walked into a locker room in 1978 with Tony Atlas over there, uh, King Kong Bundy over there, Afa and Sika are over there, uh, the Grand Wizards sitting over there. Either the circus is in town or this is a professional wrestling locker room. There's right. nothing like those guys. Man, I love it.
0: I got to get two Super Chats in, fans asking. Salvatore M is Sean, why didn't Elliot Gould be- – become a bigger star he was fantastic in the long goodbye what elliot that gould's, was it to um semitic looking i don't i don't know what that means oh to
1: too jewish oh okay um, gotcha i don't know i i think my, i'm a very big fan of elliot gould's work as uh ross and monica's father mm-hmm. on on friends uh, his his comedic timing was was a blessing to see and salvatore honestly I think that he had a hose like a like a like a thoroughbred and <laughs> a lot of times in full body sh- in master shots it would show and I think that he he never got the work he could have because of his schwanz. are you being serious right now not at all okay
0: good <laughs> Here, we have to get this one in. Ditka89, was Eric Sims an enabler to the Iron Sheik?
1: Eric Sims uh, is an interesting character. Eric Sims, for anyone who doesn't know, super agent uh, to the wrestling stars and longtime handler of, oh, he gets prettier and prettier every year. Mm. Um, He uh, Handler of the Sheik for many years an enabler. I. I. Are you maybe talking about drug use? Um, I don't know how much drug use went on in front there, of Eric. There was the
0: rumor out there that he, to keep Sheik happy, he would feed him stuff. I've talked to Eric personally about it. Eric denies it. I believe Eric. He, I don't I'll think tell you,
1: I've spent a lot of time with Eric and also around Kaz when we were doing the roasts and stuff. And um, The only, I, 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 I swear on my kids, the only th- th- intoxicant of any kind that I ever saw Sheik take was drink beer. Mm. I never saw, I know he did the other stuff. I would always hear the stories and Sheiky would talk about it too. But I never saw in my present, I, I would credit that probably to Eric who wanted to always maintain an air of professionalism around, you know, mixed company? But Cos would have probably pulled out a straw and, and snorted anything in, in an Applebee's. But um, but I think Eric, as his handler, always, if it happened, always kept it behind closed doors. Or listen, they don't—they didn't always room together either. So like, Sheik would go to his room. Eric would go to his room. And I I guess stuff would happen, but honestly, with my eyes, I've only seen him drink beer. All right,
0: man. I want to thank you for joining us. Always an honor. I'm so glad that I've met you through this crazy world of wrestling. I want to wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Um, Again, I always thank you for being so kind and coming on this show whenever
1: we ask. So thank you so much. No, it's my pleasure. And uh, give my best to uh, Farrow and any of the other kooks that you have in there. And
0: uh want to give a shout-out to Mr. Todd Gordon, who also is very professional. I recommend getting the Todd is God book. It's a great read. I read it over the summer. Farrow <clears throat> actually read it over the summer also. Incredible writing there,
1: Sean. So just add it to another list of wins for you, sir. Thank you very much. And the audiobooks out there, too, that's a lot of fun. Those of you that like to listen to your books, uh, I did a... Uh, uh, you know, put a great deal of care into my too cold Scorpio impression for everybody. So, <laughs> uh, make sure you listen to it if you like to listen to audio books. When are you expecting I... the Sean Waltman book to be released? Um, our agent has the proposal in the hands of some publishers now. We had a meeting with one of them at the end of the summer. The speed at which the publishing industry moves is um is i am going to make another bad pharaoh joke i'm not gonna do it go ahead just uh, go ahead send them a nice thanksgiving very slowly slower than the action in the bedroom in lakeland florida (laughs) oh my god but uh the uh so we're still we're still talking to people to have it find a home i've written I so guess probably about 85,000 words of it already. It's first draft, so we have to go through it and um it's it's not finished, but it's it's in good shape. The story's amazing. Um this is this is a story that's going to transcend uh the wrestling story. Um and as it touches on things like sexual abuse and addiction and uh, so many things that so many people in society deal with, and uh, and this is uh, this is a winner's story, so um, it's inspirational
0: with that again, Sean, thank you for joining us. Um, I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving out there. Thank you for supporting us every Thursday um, for the Faro fans like Sean is. Farrow is talking about making his return within the next couple of weeks. once that's official I'll announce it. And uh, we will not see you next week as we'll be celebrating with our family again. Thank you, Mr. Sean Oliver. Thank you to everybody joining us. We love you. Have a great night.